Hello, hello, and welcome to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and I need to start by saying happy Pride. It's Pride Month 2022, which is a great excuse to watch some queer cinema. Today on the show, filmmaker Evelyn Landau returns. I asked her to pick a film for Pride Month, and she chose an excellent one. The recent film, Everything Everywhere All at Once, starring Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Hsu, Ke Huy Quan, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Evelyn and I are going to dig into the film with a particular focus on the film's queer themes. Stick around. Before we get into it, a quick plug for our Patreon. If you love the film discussions we have every week here at Arthouse Garage and you want even more and you want to help support the show, Patreon is a great way to do that. Patreon supporters get some great bonuses, including ad-free podcast episodes, extended podcast episodes, bonus podcast episodes, and podcast videos. Choose your subscription level at either $3 or $6 a month, and your support would truly mean the world. Get all the details and sign up now at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. Time to talk about today's film. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm doing a couple of episodes for Pride Month. I did the same thing last year, and it turned out great, so I'm continuing on. I'm inviting a guest onto the show to discuss any film of their choosing. Last year, I had Evelyn Landau on the show for the first time to discuss a documentary called Disclosure, about trans representation. That conversation last year was incredible, and I knew I wanted Evelyn back on the show, She returned earlier this year to talk about The Matrix Resurrections, which was also a great discussion, and I'm so glad she's back again today. She also chose an incredible film to talk about today, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I'm guessing most listeners of this podcast are at least aware of this film, and many of you have probably seen it some multiple times, like I have. It was kind of a surprising choice, and you'll hear me talk about why with Evelyn in a few minutes, but I was definitely expecting something older or more obscure or something. Anyway, very glad to talk about this one. It's an excellent choice, and there's no one I'd rather discuss it with than Evelyn. If you don't know anything about this film, it's a comedy drama about Michelle Yeoh's character, who is also named Evelyn. She runs a laundromat with her quirky husband, Waymond, played by Ke Kwan. Evelyn is very busy keeping the business running, trying to deal with being audited, and struggling to relate to her daughter Joy, played by Stephanie Sue. One point of disconnect in the mother-daughter relationship is that Joy has a girlfriend named Becky, and Evelyn is clearly pretty uncomfortable with this aspect of her daughter's life. Things get really out of hand when they head to the IRS building to meet with their auditor, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and suddenly the multiverse opens. Evelyn's husband, Waymond, begins behaving like a completely different person and tells her he's from another universe and she has to learn to connect with her different identities in parallel universes in order to stop a villain named Jobu Tupaki from destroying everything. That's the setup for this movie. It's wildly creative, hilariously funny, and in the end, incredibly moving. I can't recommend it highly enough, and I encourage anyone who hasn't seen it to go check it out. It is still playing some theaters, 
and you can also now purchase it on demand. In this podcast discussion, we are going to talk spoilers. It's kind of unavoidable with this movie, so please watch the film before listening. I would, however, encourage you to listen just to the first few minutes of this discussion either way, because I start by asking Evelyn about her own film projects, and there's some exciting stuff coming from her in the coming months. I was thrilled to hear about what she's working on. Okay, that's enough from me. So here first is the trailer for the film, followed by my discussion with Evelyn Landau about the film Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. What's happening? Evelyn, I'm not your husband. I'm another version of one from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse. In thousands of Evelyns. You can access all of their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. It's really good. He's waiting in the wings. The universe. He speaks of senseless things. Is so much bigger. You than you realize. Of all the places I could be. I just want to just share with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. There is no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here. To this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. Welcome back to the podcast, Evelyn Landau. How are you today? Doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, always love chatting with you. Uh, it's our third time on the podcast now. Um, first, we talked about Disclosure last year, which was also Pride Month, and then um, The Matrix Resurrections, which you know I, I remember going into that like, I don't really know what we're going to talk about, but we talked about a bunch of things and it was so great. So <laughs> I've always just, every time we chat, it's unexpectedly uh uh, a delight. So uh, thanks so much for coming back for uh, for this one. And I'm excited to talk about the film we're going to get into today. Um, before we do, 
let's talk about your film stuff. Uh, I texted you and asked you what you have coming up and tell me a couple of things. So yeah, what's, what's on the horizon for you? Yeah. So there's a sequel to Fletcher and Cortland coming out. Um, I don't know if the name is public yet, so I'm not going to say the name, but okay. it's a sequel <laughs> um, to the short films that I did with uh, Connor Allen Smith um, and mm-hmm. some other friends. Uh, and it's the first one that I directed. So the other ones I yeah. just edited. Um, and this one I, I was able to direct. Um, Emma Thatcher directed the, the first two, mm-hmm. um, another filmmaking friend of ours. Um, and yeah, it was a blast to make. And I'm really excited to put it together and share it with people. So, yeah, I'll quickly say those are two of my favorite short films from the last few years is the kind of part one and two of this ongoing series, which is so cool. Um, And yeah, so the the first one, it it almost like it reminds me of the before trilogy where it's like this kind of romantic relationship over time Um, and but very different. It's like a hookup that that has kind of progressed. So I'm really, really curious to see what happens after part two left us with the you know, I, I'm curious, how did you come into the director's chair instead of Emma this time? Um, I was, I was asked, um, I think Emma has her hands full doing, um, sure. uh, another movie. She did a movie called wow. Provo and she's working on that right now. Um, cool. and yeah, so I was, I was just asked to do it and happy to step into that role. Uh, I'm glad that you've seen the other ones and that you liked them. Um, the, the direction that this takes in this one surprised us, I think, on mm. set on the day because it's improvised. They're all improvised. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, I didn't know that. I wondered yeah. how that went. Yeah. Yeah. So Very this is cool. We're excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hopeful that the, the first, at least the first one, I think the first two played Made in Arkansas and Filmland around here for Arkansas listeners. So I'm sure there will be some availability there. Uh, and I think at least the first one is streaming or is like on Vimeo or something to watch online. Yes. Now, so yes. I can uh, dig up some links to put in the show notes so you can check those out because highly recommend uh, that Thanks. series and very excited for the third one. And then you also have another documentary project going on. Yes. So this documentary project is about um, it's an autobiographical doc- documentary that I made about uh, a time in my life when I had a mental health crisis and I was also uh, coming out to myself and to the world is trans. Um, and it's told mostly from my parents' point of view. Uh, it was a very like tumultuous time in our lives. And the only way that I could think to figure out what really happened and, and how to cope with it and how to move on was to ask them. And so uh, that was a big uh, work that happened a couple years ago. We've been editing it, me and my friend, Laura Nelson, who made Garden Doc together, which I think I may have plugged in here before. Hmm. Um, another uh, that was a mockumentary but we made this one um a very different tonal piece but uh yeah so we're gonna be submitting that to festivals soon and um yeah so that's the other that's the other piece of work that i have to mention well i'm very excited to see that also i've seen a handful uh, so having gone to the the queer cinema festival around here which just happened a few weeks ago kaleidoscope it's called um there i I, over the years i've seen a handful of things that are either short or feature length like documentaries about trans people and then and kind of upbringing and and that kind of thing then it's always so fascinating so i'm really excited to to see your version of that uh which maybe i don't want to pigeonhole it into that but like to see your your um just your story as as told by you that sounds fascinating and i can't wait thank you yeah, no, I'm excited to share it with everybody uh, and with you as well. So someone who who knows yeah. me a little bit through my love of movies. So it's fun to yeah, yeah. 
combine those things. Um, yeah. And I think you're right. The, the, um, so often we hear trans people's stories from other people's point of view, that it's so refreshing mm-hmm. to just hear it from someone yeah. who's close to them or themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's cool. Okay. Well, we'll stay tuned for that and then I'll post anything as the news is around uh, coming out for that. But cool. Well, I'm so thankful to have you back. Um, I reached out and said, hey, do you want to, I'm doing a couple of things for Pride Month. Do you want to pick a movie? And you chose everything everywhere all at once, which uh, surprised me a little bit just because I'd seen it a couple of times and I, those the queer themes of it kind of resonated. But I, I don't know, I expect some like historical queer film or something but i love this choice because uh it's not one that i thought of and it's one that i already seen a couple of times so i didn't have to <laughs> rewatch it which is always <laughs> nice homework wise um yeah but, and also i just love this movie and it's it's interesting too because i i knew it was coming and i knew it was going to be big and wild and I was excited to see this movie and uh i also thought even especially after seeing it like how do i even begin to talk about this on the podcast like i'm not even gonna like try to do it but having this kind of in like let's look at the queer themes of it having a a, sort of an angle like that i think is going to be helpful and um but yeah it's it's quite a quite a film and and we'll get into it um before you saw this movie how familiar were you with these directors the the daniels they call themselves daniel kwan and daniel scheinert so i had seen swiss army man in theaters um Mm -hmm. and was very surprised by the fact that a movie like that existed I think the tone is so weird uh, yeah. and the so many of the choices are so exuberant and full of life. And I thought that it was a great movie uh, when I saw it. But when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is on a different level entirely. And I think that yeah. they think about that as well, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember them saying, like, this is the first one that they're really proud of um, uh, in a different way. Um, yeah. So... I, so yes, I was familiar with that movie, and then I hadn't seen. They've done some music videos and stuff that I hadn't that I hadn't seen. Um, yeah, going in. Yeah, I want to talk about a couple of those music videos really quickly because yeah, same. I, I actually saw Swiss Army Man just on streaming. I heard you know it's that movie where Daniel Radcliffe plays a corpse, and like that sounds fascinating. Let's check it out. <laughs> yeah, and it is. It's surprising. As weird as that is, it's surprisingly you know humanistic and like um, yeah exuberant the way you said and, and moving. Um, and so just, yeah, such a strange tone. And I think preparing for, to watch this one, I was like, oh, I've heard they have done some music videos, shorts, whatever. I'm going to look it up and realize they've directed a couple of my favorite music videos ever that I, I had already seen and loved. I was like, oh, it's them. I didn't realize. Uh, one is called, it's Simple Song by The Shins. It's a, I really like that video. And then the one I really love is Houdini by Foster the People which has mm. a, some cool commentary about the music industry has that similar kind of zany style to it. And then after watching this movie, I went and watched some of their others. Uh, I didn't know they, they did the, the, the music video for turn down for what <laughs> that wild rap music. It's just such a, have you seen the video for that? I haven't. I know it that is, one of the Daniels makes an appearance in it. I think that's right. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's basically the the zaniness like just turned up to 11 it's really bizarre and wild and That's hilarious awesome. um they've done a couple of others that i really like uh but then they have some really funny short films too that are mostly just like taking a high concept and pushing it and being funny and and similar mm. oddball style most of what you can watch on vimeo so i'll link to those uh, like there's one called dog boarding where it's just a bunch of people skateboarding on dogs like just jumping on their dog and they, <laughs> they like made it it looks silly and uh yeah that sort of thing is the vibe so but there is sort of a 
I don't know, especially with, well, like I love Houdini, the Houdini video that I mentioned, like there's a little bit more going on than just being crazy. <laughs> and, and I think that mm. that's with this film, you can see that, that same thread, like they're, they're really pulling out, like how can we use this tone that we've established and make something really special with it? So yes, well, let's get into it before we get into like the serious parts of it. This movie's just so funny. Is there like a, a joke or a moment that sticks out to you as like that pops in your head when you think about this movie? Yeah, when you when I read that question, I thought, how am I going to pick? Hot dog fingers, obviously. Yeah. But a raccoon I couldn't believe. Same, yeah. When they, yeah, when they said the joke, I was like, well, that's a really weird niche joke. And then at the end of it, I was crying about a raccoon. <laughs> and I was like, how did this happen? How, how did they make this moment so resonant and, like, so... How did they give it so much catharsis and, like... Yeah. Uh, just fully play it out in a way that is so unexpected yeah absolutely i was gonna say the same same exact thing and that's just like when she first says that it's like oh this is funny mistake like you know older generations don't always get titles right also like english is their second language it's just like this funny stumble up and it's like okay whatever that's a funny little joke and then when you first see the raccoon doing that it's i i lost it and then yeah it comes around to full circle as all those different threads do in that kind of final moment where they uh which we'll talk about the like the philosophical side of that in a minute but but yeah i, I love the raccoon thing and just the word raccoon just every time <laughs> it makes me laugh <laughs> well yes you selected this film in conjunction with pride month so let's talk about the queer themes of this film um it is yeah, so it's revealed pretty early on that the daughter character joy has a girlfriend and that there's some within the family some discomfort around that um do you feel that the film handles that story well yeah i thought it i mean beyond handling it well i found it very relatable and i think that that's always a good sign yeah um when you have a queer storyline and then as a queer person you're like oh well that's how it is for me or i i have felt these feelings i've been in these situations none of it felt like none of it felt like here's a normal movie with a queer story in it you know and i think that's one of the big dangers that you get um when you try to portray something like that uh without some level of authenticity so yeah Yeah. i thought they did a really great job with that that's cool yeah i i mean i agree for what it's worth um that yeah i I didn't know that that was part of it but then in it kind of you know, you're almost like, okay, is that going to be the end of it? After the first moment we hear it, is there, is that just going to be like a little mention? Okay. We did our representation, check the box, but right. it, it's a, ends up being a big part of the story. And, um, I thought it, it worked really well. Uh, so p- related to that, as we were kind of preparing and texting around this, uh, you mentioned the idea of Jobu Tupaki was meaningful along those lines. And so I guess context for the film, if, if anyone hasn't seen it, which I think we're going to talk spoilers. So I guess spoiler warning we should probably say that spoiler warning uh if you haven't seen it very highly recommended by me and please check it out uh but so jobu tapaki is uh the character of joy we find out the alpha verse version of her has uh sort of taken on um she's her her brain broke basically (laughs) and she can now see everything everywhere all at once and she uh because of that is sort of become a benevolent uh, oh wait, no, malevolent. <laughs> My words mixed right. up. Uh, force in the universe, and she has created this bagel and everything that is like this black hole, um, which I'm sure all sounds very bizarre if you haven't seen the film. But it is uh, the idea is that she knows everything, and this leads her down sort of a dark path uh, and feeling like everything's meaningless. So, how does that tie into the queer storyline for you? 
Oh, good question. Um, I think when you start digging into queerness, you start realizing that it's about understanding the different potentials the world has other than the narratives that we've been given mm-hmm. by our culture or by our parents. Um, and so when you start to see the infinite different ways that life can go and the, all the different choices that you can make, mm-hmm. uh, it can be uh, heartening and disheartening at the same time because you can find people and, and experiences that you thought you would never have um, given the constraints of heteronormativity or cis heteronormativity. But then you can also start to find the ways in which so many of those choices and, and pathways are undervalued or uh, looked down upon. Mm-hmm. And you can start to feel the sense of superiority. You start to feel the sense of like, I'm a person who can see the way things really are mm-hmm. or the way that all things could be. Um, and you kind of, at least I kind of have the sense of like, I know I'm not, that doesn't make me special or like a God, but, but it makes you sort of feel badly about other people who can't see those things. Mm-hmm. Like Actually, you couldn't yeah. imagine those different manifestations of love or different manifestations of uh, self-identity. So I don't know. I really related to that part of it, like the queer aspect of Jabu Tupaki. I also related to the ways that, you know, the origin story of Jabu Tupaki is that Evelyn pushed her too far to be the best at verse jumping, which is just, uh, I guess, code switching or uh, um, unlocking your full potential as a person or as a young person. And I related to that kind of thinking about, you know, being a, a former a former gifted student, uh, uh, mm, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. someone who was identified as someone who could really excel in school and being pushed um, really far in that direction. And then eventually getting to a place where I couldn't do it anymore mm. um, and kind of taking on some darkness around that. And so that was another angle about Jabu Tupaki that I really related to. Um, all tied in to the same character, all, all feeling like it's organically within that person's mm-hmm. experience, but kind of different angles within that. Yeah, I really like that. And I, I didn't make that connection, but it's it's resonating as you're saying it. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think too, like this film is is good for, for Asian representation. And I think that's that's one of the things, and one of the directors is Asian. And um, that's one of those kind of stereotypical, like Asian parents are going to be hard on us to, to get good grades kind of thing. Um, right. And I think that, that's, that fits in really nicely with it. And another film that kind of deals with that too this year, uh, Turning Red, the Pixar film, I think has is another kind of answer to that where we have, on a generational divide specifically in like an Asian community. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting, but yeah, I like what you're saying about, um, cause there is like you and I have talked about like unlearning things, uh, and, like in my life, it's been, you know, with, uh, fundamentalist religion and different things like unlearning things, which is such a hard journey, but yeah, then getting to a place like you're saying, like, okay, now I know everything, you know, <laughs> which first of all, <laughs> And you, I don't. <laughs> and second right. of all, like there's that sense of superiority that can come along with it. And so I think that's the the battle of to say, uh, or it can push like, like with the character in the film can push you to be like, okay, there's, it, it, I guess you can push you to a dark place, like letting go of things that you had and like, okay, so if there is 
infinite possibility yet that there's no meaning, which maybe mm. kind of gets into the the next question I was going to ask. It was just kind of about the philosophical side of this film, which, uh, yeah, so the, the everything bagel is kind of like the symbol of that. So she has created this, which is also such a funny uh, creative way that you instantly connect with like understanding um she she put everything on a bagel and it's like this black hole that it's threatening to destroy the universe um but and, and in response to that she says everything is meaningless and so then she eventually her mother kind of she kind of drags her mother into that as well and she feels that way and we have that sequence where michelle yo's character is signing the divorce papers and like just saying screw it all and like everything's meaningless but then coming around uh to something else so i guess before we get into all of that but like how do you feel about that stuff and um i guess the philosophical side of it and do you feel like the film handles that well and and draws good conclusions out of it i loved it i loved it and it made sense immediately because it's such a it's such a basic concept and everything bagel that's sucking everything into it and 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 the the universe so i was like yep got it bagel understood (laughs) but Something that um, I got, I saw recently on TikTok about this movie because I'm on I'm on everything everywhere all at once TikTok. They're giving me those <laughs> okay. things because they know I love the movie. I'm not. But, I gotta get on there. <laughs> um, but uh, is that the googly eyes are mm. the opposite of the everything bagel? I saw this. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The, yes. And the, there's sort of a the balance inverse. between the googly mm-hmm. eyes. Yes, that could represent maybe a yin yang or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that that was really beautiful and that, that that made it work even better for me as a theme, something mm-hmm. that we get to, yes, nothing means anything, but that means actually that we're free to do anything and that what mm-hmm. we always want to do is create balance with each other and find love and share life mm-hmm. with each other. Um, and I also thought that that was a good tie-in for Wayman's character, the dad, Mm-hmm. Um, because in that struggle between the mom and the daughter, I think that I kind of felt, okay, the dad kind of takes a, a backseat to that of mm-hmm. like, they have reconciling to do where the dad kind of is his own person or isn't in mm-hmm. that struggle as deeply, but with the googly eyes being the opposite of the, of the bagel, I felt like that triangulation of mm-hmm. forces of, um, of outlooks on life really create that really nice harmony of like everyone in that story has the perspective that is needed for the others in order to achieve a better understanding of the world or a better happiness in their life. Mm -hmm. Like um, they can't, they can't see the full picture without each other, even though, yeah, actually that's what I'm trying to say. They can't see the full picture without each other. And so that, that enticingness of that Jobu Tupaki character for me is balanced by the wisdom of my parents and the joyousness mm. of other ways of looking at the world. Um, yeah. So anyways, yes, I thought it was great. I thought, it, I thought yeah. that, that worked really well. <laughs> I love that. I think that's great. And yeah, I love the the googly eye as the sort of the symbol of that. So actually I, I ordered something from the A24 shop. I can't remember what a few months ago and they send little postcard, like screen grabs from upcoming movies. And I got the one from this and it's Michelle Yeoh's face towards the end. I think it's when she first puts the googly eye on and it's like, she's looking straight at the camera. She has a little bit of a smile on, but she's like bloody and she's been fighting. And uh, I think it's such a perfect, like that frame. I, I should put a frame around it and hang it on the wall. Cause it's, it captures the feeling of the movie so much with um, like sort of the absurdism. Like it's like, if nothing means anything, then 
we can do whatever we want, right? And and choose kindness. And so like the googly eye is the perfect like representation of um even though I've been beaten up, like I'm bloody and like this life is hard, I can have a sort of a curiosity and a, a whimsy or something like a kindness as an outlook. And I, I just thought that was such a, a perfect representation of and, and and the third eye, like I, I the idea of like seeing being all seeing or like um seeing what's not there kind of thing uh i thought mm. yeah just such a perfect way to pull it in and yeah i didn't even realize until a few weeks ago like the colors inverse of the bagel thing it's it's a perfect perfect uh coming together there in that that final scene and i love the scene where she's she's like going up the stairs and fighting everyone with kindness and oh, I love <laughs> like that all the so creative much. ways it's yes so great. and not only could the raccoon control the guy and the guy control the raccoon the guy could also be the wreck like it was like it just tied it all up so well it's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. i love wayman's character too and and like mm. so like the the whole sequence where she's like a movie star and they're in the yes. theater and it's like the wong kar wai thing i just did a series on wong kar wai the like the criterion set watching through on the podcast last year and so I was, oh, i'm ready for this <laughs> all these references now yes um, but it has like the motion blur that he's known for and like all the colors and and like the stylish suits of course and so i just love that aspect of it uh but yeah then wayman has that big moment where he's you know and, and i like too that it ties together with sh she has found out that she is living her worst self <laughs> like she is the worst version of wow her. i yeah Evelyn I'm just realizing same name as mm -hmm. you um she's she's living her worst self and like that means she has this untapped potential in a way um but you know she's down on herself and she's like why did I choose this and I love that we see like the little snippets of leaving China with him or not and um like her parents disappointment and all of that uh, I thought that was really powerful and then you know he he gets to this this moment where like it's like I would have loved to just own a a, a laundromat and do taxes with you in another life, um, and Ugh. yeah, you think I'm weak for this kindness that I have, but actually that's how I fight. That's how I survive in this world is with the kindness and like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's so really good. really well written. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that part. The way that it kind of gives him some dignity in a way that his zaniness kind of over mm. the, the mm -hmm. that's the tone that you most see him in is like silly or incredible in his alphaverse mm. version yeah yeah but to give him this other sort of reserved like no i'm also this like highest self like i am mm, i'm also yeah. have the it's it's something that i don't think you see in a lot of um asian representation in media um mm. and specifically in, in a you know a blockbuster like this so yeah that's really cool and now it's um, A24's highest grossing movie ever. I saw. Recently. I was going to bring that up. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. It makes me I so happy. I love that it's resonating. I think it, it has the, it's it's big in a way. I, that's my, if I have anything negative at all to say about this movie, which is, is, isn't really even a negative. It's just that it's kind of exhausting to watch. It's so like a maximalist that after I watch it, yes. I've seen it twice. I'm just like, I need to take a break. Um, yeah. but it's so, so good. Um, yeah. One thing that, was unexpected for me in this movie is that I cried. I don't usually cry at movies. Mm. Um, like at all. I, I don't remember the last time I cried in a movie mm. and I cried laughing at the fight scenes <laughs> with the, uh, the fight scenes the trophies, and, uh, yeah. yes, with the trophies. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and then I cried crying at the mom and daughter reconciliation at the end. I, I was mm. like, so taken by that. And then I wanted to call my mom at the end of the movie. And that's another mm. thing that, 
you know, I don't really feel sentimental a lot of the time. And I don't really feel like a movie makes me understand my life, my own life better mm-hmm. than I, I did. And I, I feel like I wasn't the only one in that theater that had that same reaction. Um, and I know that many people, uh, you know, across the world will see this with their parents. And I saw it on the second time I saw it with my parents. Um, I wanted to make sure that they saw it. So I thought that that was a really wonderful thing for a movie to do. Um, and also a very difficult thing for a movie to pull off is to hit that right note of like, maybe if we see this, we'll all understand each other a little bit better and have a little bit more empathy for each other's experiences as a family going through basically survival in America, which is not Mm. another thing that is not really attached or attacked um, very directly by a lot of movies. Like, what it's like to either have to assimilate or yeah. face repercussions from, you know, the tax person, the tax, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, entity. So I thought that that was a really beautiful facet of the movie for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like the fact that it's set at the IRS building for most of the film is, is, is so creative and interesting. And yeah, it's like the most mundane thing you could think of, but it's yeah. l- even aside from the multiverse stuff, like, that's a life altering place for people with a small business. Like you're saying. Yeah. That's mm. uh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the, the familial stuff it definitely resonated with me. Like I've talked to you specifically about like, yeah, like the faith stuff. Um, and it, it resonated on that, that level. And I haven't quite worked it out altogether, but, but yeah, I think part of it is just like what you were talking about earlier, like seeing, um, there's other ways that life can be. And mm. it kind of gives a really literal representation of that. Like um, first opening your eyes to the multiverse or, or, or whatever, like seeing, okay, the, the, the narratives I've been handed um, there might be more that, that it's possible. Um, so I, I like that it comes to that, but then yeah, it still has this, this reconciliation at the end. Um, yeah. That doesn't really undermine the, the, any of the characters journeys it doesn't say mm-hmm. like okay yeah you had this you know wild daughter but now you're going to come back and be normal it's like no mm-hmm. the daughter still gets to be gay and uh rebellious and her own person and the mom gets to be flawed and passionate mm-hmm. about her family and the dad gets to be silly and zany and also passionate about the people that he cares about I mean, you you yeah. just you get a you feel the resolution doesn't, doesn't undercut anybody, you know, like I yeah, think that that's yeah. a really important mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah. That's a really good point. I, Cause I, I think about there's certain movies that I think about that have sort of this, like it's a child seeing their parents in a new light kind of thing. Uh, like the movie shoplifters, I'm a really big fan of, and it has a moment like that near the end where it feels like this child sees his father or like, you know, surrogate father in this film, like finally sees him for who he really is and loves him for that. But then also there's like a distance that can be there. Um, Mm. And, 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 but in that movie, you don't really, I I need to watch it again and think about that. But I, I think at least not as clearly, like you're saying all sides are honored in a way. And I don't think that movie is like anti any of the characters, but um, with this one, yeah, it it really, you, each, each character's perspective is given like an equal footing. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. 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 And I saw a tweet recently too, that was, it was a kind of a, like with turning red and there was a handful of other movies that were like, 
<laughs> like millennial filmmakers are going out and like making movies where parents apologize, <laughs> which yes. uh, that's an oversimplification, but it's like, it is like this generational divide. How do we get over it? It's turning red. It was uh, Encanto, the Disney movie from recently. Uh, and there's one other that, that was like, it's actually exactly fits in with that same kind of theme but yeah that is some seem to be a little bit of a trend which is interesting but yeah it's very interesting i mean i think that there's a lot to be said about that generational divide and the thing that happens through, through every generation where we realize that we have all adapted to an unkind world in our own ways mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. have tried to communicate how to do that to the next generation and the next generation actually is living in a completely different world so they're not going to mm -hmm. be able to do the same thing mm -hmm. again um yeah whether it's a religious thing or uh, um, something about your sexuality or gender identity or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's all just ways of, of, of being that are not going to be perfect through multiple generations. Like yeah. the next iteration has to be different in order for that to work for them. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I think that's a, you know, perfect theme to, to fit in with, with pride month is, is generational divide. Cause that's such a part of, uh, the ongoing struggles around that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, so I, I think that's another good reason that this movie really ties in uh, with everything. Yeah. Everywhere, all at once. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is everything, everywhere, all at once. And that is, I think it's coming to home video very soon. So actually, you know, we're, we're late for the theatrical release. Just, just came out recently. So perfect. I think that is a recent thing and uh, you can watch it at home and I will link to VOD links and all of that. Highly recommend it again, if you haven't seen it um, and now that we've spoiled everything for you, but I think even uh, if you did somehow listen all through this, there's still so much to gain from it. And it's such a, such an experience of a movie. So thank you so much, Evelyn, for joining. Uh, always a pleasure. And uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Thanks again to Evelyn for coming back today. So many wonderful thoughts about this film and about life in general, as usual. She will absolutely be back on the show before too long. Next up on the show, well, I'm not 100% sure. I'm working out the details and I don't want to promise anything just yet, but there will be an episode next week and it will be great. <laughs> Until then, thank you so much for listening to Art House Garage. We've got a few years worth of episodes now and you can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Arthouse Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Arthouse Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app and that is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, andrew at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free.